Hey everyone, John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, listening to your gut, practicing nutritional awareness, and knowing your shit. This is Obstacle Course. Let's go. You mean let's flow, am I right? Let's flow. Let's let it flow. Speaking of flow, you were out of flow today when we were recording a little bit. I got a little out of flow. You did. You left the room. I had to leave the room first time that's happened. Yeah, I offended Andrew. I made fun of him (laughs) and he just, he walked out. No, my my throat was offending me and I was, yeah, I haven't been practicing health (laughs) super well of late, which is unlike me. That shocks me. I I take pride in in taking care of myself as as best I can. You're vegetarian, uh, you're exercise, you're the man. But yet here you were hacking away <laughs> just in the middle of a recording. Yeah, yeah, losing losing my cool, losing losing the cough. Yeah, I, I didn't didn't feel great. Tears were in my eyes, basically. Right. And not in the way that we like on obstacle course. No, yeah. Because we we're we're open to shedding a tear, and but we're when accustomed it, to it. When it's yeah. due to a coughing fit, yeah. Not not ideal, not great for sound quality. So there might be a moment, listeners, where where you hear some background coughing, maybe a, a chair slide out. And then you don't hear my voice for a, a couple of minutes. That's the sound of vulnerability, folks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then Andrew just kind of did the universal sign for like, he just rolled his wrist, like just keep going with the I didn't, John. Don't I didn't stop. even look. I didn't even look behind me. I just, just did, did that. Yeah, did it as I left the room. And, so. and that was easy because our, our guest today, Yvonne, she, she knew her shit. She, knew, um, she knows her shit. She really does. And, and you'll understand what we mean by that. Um, we had a wonderful discussion about nutrition. Just very, very. She's she's from the prairies, and what, what I love about the prairie people is they just tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. No fluff, no dressing it up. They just speak their mind, and, and they're usually well informed. And so, um, this was this was a great. I learned a lot today, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and we um, we talked about some of our own challenges with with nutrition and with our uh, our digestive system. Maybe by we, I mean mostly me. Yeah, it's you that... thought you're being subtle, but it wasn't that subtle. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's been a, a a long time challenge um, issue that has never really been diagnosed, but uh, just heartburn and gastritis and you know discomfort and uh, and have done very little about it, other than a couple of cleanses and and, um, and then it kind of seems to come creeping back yeah and it must be frustrating for you because because like like we said you are a healthy guy like you're healthy healthier than most i mean you probably can't remember the last time you had a fast food burger for instance um you know probably been decades you know and and a lot of people probably do that once a month at least or even more <laughs> a lot, a lot <laughs> yeah you know a, a let's be more. honest um, but yeah. yet here you are struggling with, with guts, with gut, you know, back, you know, the imbalance or whatever, whatever's mm-hmm. going on there, but yet you've been making good choices. That makes it even more frustrating. I mean, if yeah. you've been binging on McDonald's, you know, there, there's not really, you know, any frustration cause you're like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I feel like shit cause I'm it, eating shit. It, it's an, yeah, <laughs> more of an easy solution there. So yeah. it, it is the, 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 the thing that people get frustrated with all the time. And, and I have a friend who has a, um, a far more serious affliction with with colitis and and she um does the right thing for for months and and still is suffering then it's like what's the point mm-hmm. you know what doctors aren't helping me i'm trying to do the right thing it's still not working so you know why bother yeah. and and so i i get a little bit of that when when you know i wake up in the middle of the night having eaten a you know kale salad for dinner 
and drank water and tea and I have heartburn in the middle of the night and, and it keeps me up and it's like, well, you know, what, what is the, the issue here? And, and, and there's so many factors at play with, from our environment, um, from the, the actual food, even if we are thinking we're eating good food, it's, it's processed or genetically modified and it's such a complex issue. And, and it's like, we all need our own full-time nutritional coach to, to get to the bottom of it. Um, but yeah, that, that's what happens when like the overwhelm, um, negativity chatter get, gets loud. But, um, as Yvonne shows there, there's simpler ways, mindfulness and awareness is always useful. And, uh, there, there are ways out of it. Yeah. You know, cause, cause I was going to say, you know, I was just brainstorming as you were talking, but I was listening at the same time. Like what could be wrong with, I my... know that blank stare. <laughs> no, I, I was taking it in, man. But, uh, but at the same time, I'm trying to help my friend, you know, cause uh, you know, you, you said it's been happening since you were, you were 12 years old when you first, yeah, when you first realized that you, you were getting heartburn, which is not a normal thing for a young child. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, throughout, throughout adolescence, it was, um, an issue and, and didn't seem to be just because of spicy food No, or, no. um, although I do love spicy food, mm-hmm. but it, you know, there wasn't just a, a obvious trigger, um, yeah, so it, it's uh, it goes back a ways. What if you gave up spicy food and alcohol for a month? Besides, you know, wanting to take your own life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, if you gave those two things, have you tried to well, do that? Well, I, I have, absolutely, and, yeah. And I've gone on, still... gone on cleanses, um, wow. and and it maybe goes away temporarily, but, um, yeah, it's not a, a be-all, end-all. And, and one of the things that, that Yvonne talked about is we feel like we have to be perfect and, and we have to, right. um, you know, fix it and, and then it, it'll go away and, and we'll be fine. I think it's, it's having a healthy mindset towards issues because, you know, we are prone to certain things and it's maybe just minimizing them or, or restricting the long-term damaging effects that, that might happen um, and just, you know, getting them under control. Yeah, and I, I just the the part that stood out the most to me is just being aware of what you're eating and how you feel after, because in our culture we, we're not really that aware. I mean, we eat on the go most of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the whole idea of sitting down for two hours and having like a leisurely meal, starting with a bit of a salad and then moving into different courses, like our European friends eat things like that. It just doesn't happen. I mean, the last time I had a two hour meal, it was it was probably when we were on the cruise. That was my favorite part of the cruise because we had a we we sat for two or three hours and just luxuriated in good quality food and ate slow and didn't feel bloated after. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You can still eat a lot without feeling bloated after. The bloating comes from like the eating like, you know, ungodly amounts of food in five or 10 minutes that also doesn't agree with your digestive system. So being able to kind of look and be like, okay, when I had chicken wings, you know, I didn't really sleep that well that night. Or when I eat chips... You know, I just, I, I start to feel anxious. Who knows? I mean, there could be connections to all kinds of things. And just like we journal our, our other thoughts, it's time to start journaling things like that because that's a big part of our life. Yeah. And it's, it's about slowing down and being aware. And, and we, we kind of bang that drum on a fairly regular basis. But if, if we want to be happy and fulfilled and, and live complete lives, sometimes it, it takes that process of slowing down, taking a look holistically, figuring out what our habits are and, and making changes because just because something, you know, like having bacon and eggs for breakfast every day with a with a piece of white toast, just because you've done that for twelve years and, and it's 
it's what you know doesn't mean it's what you should be doing it doesn't mean that that it's what's best for you it just means it's, that it's your habit and and it can seem impossible to break habits like you know quit smoking or whatever but um it it is a process and and we can put some time into it and then we create a new habit and that and that's how we reform our lives well, and honestly, if, unless you own a farm, maybe don't have bacon and eggs every day <laughs> because that's why we did it is people are getting up at four o'clock in the morning and working, you know, 12 to 16 hours outdoors with their bodies. You know, we live in a culture where we're sitting most of the time and, and you de- definitely don't need to start the day with, you know, ungodly amounts of protein and, and, um, and fats. Yeah. And here we are. We're, uh, we're on a quest to learning and, uh, and today was another step and I'll definitely be pulling some things from uh from this conversation and and figuring out how to best apply them in my own health puzzle well on that note (laughs) here's to a healthier 2020 folks giddy up as we don't often say but no but we have (laughs) it works she's in she's in alberta yeah Is that something that you uh, you ever say, Yvonne? Do you ever say "giddy up" or any? Oh, every once in a while. That's kind of it's kind of an old school thing. Right? <laughs> you know what? If you want old school, come to John. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my grandma was full of them. Perfect. <laughs> cool. Well, well, let's officially welcome you to uh, to Obstacle Course, Yvonne. Thanks a lot for being here. We're uh, we're thrilled to have this conversation, and it's a, a realm that we haven't delved into very much. Um, we've, we've done a few aspects of health, but never gone into this one in detail. So we're, we're excited to take this journey. I'm excited to be here. Well, one place we, we thought we, we could start is, um, some of the, the coaching work and, and we know that you're in the process of being trained as a, a certified coach and curious what, um, so I'm someone who also has done some coaching training in in a, in a bit of a different realm but i found that when when doing the work you you learn a lot about yourself and, and your own habits or or nuances or or way of thinking or biases or whatever it might be mm-hmm. so i'm wondering um if there's anything that comes to mind that you have learned about yourself while going through this coaching training well I, yeah i think that you you know they often call it mirroring right that the people who um are attracted to you often have the same kind of problems um as that you have or had and often it reminds you just things that you've forgotten too right that you've done that maybe haven't done for a while or uh, whatever and you think oh well, why don't i do that anymore <laughs> why did i stop that that worked why did i stop doing that after all and so yeah it really makes you self-reflect back on on your own life and in your own abilities and really uh take a take things for check right and yeah was, yeah. was there anything specifically that that you were like why don't i why did i stop doing that that was a habit for me that worked and and it and it is a funny thing because when when we do this kind of work we we figure out what works and we know what best strategies there are but it doesn't necessarily mean that we follow them um it's there's a little bit of a, a catch there Mm-hmm. So a- anything in, in particular that uh, that comes to mind for you there? Well, I think one of the big ones for me was sleep. It's always been one of my my challenges because I'm a night person. My husband's a morning person. Mm. And I get my best work done, you know, after 10. 
he goes oh, to wow. bed and I go to work, right? And then it's like one o'clock. It's like you just totally lose track of time because you're so into whatever it is you're trying to comp- accomplish, right? Whether it's editing pictures or, or doing some research on something or reading, reading and whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, I gotta go to bed. <laughs> they get yeah. up in the morning, right? And so, but um, sleep has a, such a huge effect on our physical health, right? Mm-hmm. And our emotional health. If our body, if we just keep depriving ourselves of sleep all the time, then our body never gets to really truly recuperate, um, right? It kind of resets itself when you're sleeping and rebuilds the cells and all those kinds of things. And if you're constantly not giving it enough sleep, um, enough time to just do what it needs to do, then it starts to really affect you, right? And then, but you often, you know that, and we all know we have to sleep, right? But then we don't do it. Yeah. We just keep pushing away and working on something. Oh, just this little project. I get this project done. Well, then that project gets done and then it's the next project that comes on. And, and before you know it, you haven't really had a good night's sleep in two months or whatever, right? And yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like your husband in this way. I don't know him at all, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm like him where I'm a morning person as well. In fact, the last time I stayed up till one in the morning was probably 20 years ago. Um, you know, by nine o'clock, I got my nighty night tea on the go. <laughs> and I and Andrew knows this because he's he's kind of a night hawk actually. Yeah, um, from his uh, his uh, work in the hospitality and, industry, and and he sends me selfies, <laughs> bare chested selfies at at nine nine o'clock at night with his with his tea. Yeah, fairly, fairly regularly. And they are available for any of the listeners online for the low low <laughs> price of <laughs> too much <laughs> for too much, or just follow me on social media. But yeah, so so I don't I don't understand the whole idea of being at my best. At one in the morning. I mean, that would be my worst. So what is it specifically about that one in the morning time where you just feel like, oh, okay, th- this is a time when I can really do what I need to do? I think for me, it's that the house is so quiet. Yeah. Everybody's went to bed. Right. Right. Yeah. And and it's different now that I'm, you know, working at home all day. Um, right. I, I need to learn to retrain myself because now I'm home all alone with, you know, me and the dog and the two cats all day <laughs> long. Right. So. So things can be different and I need to retrain my brain to, to get into that mode. Um, but when kids are busy, we would get home from, not, you know, 9, 9, 30, 10 o'clock, get home from basketball or volleyball or whatever the heck they had us running with, right? And then um, they'd get to bed and you'd just be so go, 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 go. You just needed a few minutes, an hour or so just to de-stress. And then all of a sudden, oh, I got stuff to do. I got to get I gotta get this done because I can't do it. I have to work tomorrow, right? And so you'd get into that creative mode and and get doing whatever it is you had to get accomplished. Um, so it became a bad habit, right? Mm. And it's and that's the key with anything we're trying to change with our health of any way. It's, it's learning to identify where our habits are and why are we doing what the habit? Why are we doing it that way in the first place, right? Is it just because we've always done it that way? Is it because we had to do it that way at one point in time? But do we still have to do it that way? Well, and, and right? It's just like, like I said, with, with Christmas traditions, right? Yeah. So we always open presents at 7.03, but does it have to be 7.03? Right. <laughs> Could it be 8.10? Could it be, right? Like, you know, why are we so reluctant to change in our, in our life and our society um, that we hold ourselves to traditions and, and habits that we've dealt with for so long that we don't even know where, why it started that way? It's a great point. Yeah. Very true. Um, I just wanted to say, though, like it, it might not necessarily be a bad habit. Like if you get your best work done in the middle of the night, like why not change your day to reflect that? I mean, I'm sure there's lots of people listening who are like, hey, listen, that's one habit. Like, why would I get up at 6 a.m. if I'm a zombie till 10, 
Mm-hmm. You know, and so it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad habit, I guess. How do you know when it is? Well, and, and the thing is, everyone has different circadian rhythms. Yeah. Pe- people operate differently in different times of day. Just it's it's your, you know, body clock is another way of putting it. And, and it's, I think it's important to understand how you best operate and make sure you're you're operating in that way. So it's, it's another opportunity for awareness there. Um, and, and one other point, because sleep and and we're gonna we're gonna have a roundtable discussion which is um, something that we we've started doing um, on getting a few experts on a specific topic and we wanted to have it on sleep so Mm -hmm. this is maybe a bit of a preview to that conversation as well but um, I I read a study that uh, people who are sleep deprived for even just four nights in a row um, when they get mental testing done, acuity testing, they test the same way as someone who's legally impaired due to alcohol <laughs> in terms of, you know, reaction time, wow. clarity of brain function, um, you know, important things that will, will seriously affect your performance in whatever you're doing during the day and, and even just, you know, the way that you think. Um, and and four, four nights in a row doesn't take much. And as you said, Yvonne, like <laughs> it can be two months later. Um, where you're like, I just haven't had, had a great night's sleep and I don't even remember. And, and we, we kind of take it for granted. We're like, eh, especially people who are, uh, you know, maybe of the entrepreneurship um, realm or, you know, the, the type A type, go, go, go. There, you know, there's that narrative like, ah, I don't need to sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead. I can get by on four hours. But the reality is, is we're not at our best if, if we don't prioritize that. No, you're yeah. essentially drunk. And one's more fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's never fun to be sleep deprived. <laughs> no, totally. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and, and we don't realize um, how important all our little habits are, right? Like it's mm-hmm. one of the biggest things to look at when you're trying to improve your sleep is actually what your nighttime habit is. Well, we look at that the morning habits. We know that morning habits are um, successful. People have a morning habit, right? But so do, so do um, they also have an evening habit. habit. Right. And what is your way of um, winding down? How do you how do you prepare your body so your body knows that um, sleep is to come? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. In today's society, we do far too much screen time, um, (laughs) you know, and it's all kinds of different things like that that affect our sleep. Mm -hmm. I I was so like streaming YouTube until you fall asleep. Probably not that (laughs) that ideal winding down no we've we've read studies about that blue light and what that does Mm -hmm. to us right and that blue light is just um oh it it wreaks havoc on us Mm -hmm. yeah it can change yeah most times they say you know at least 30 minutes to an hour um before your your time to hit the hit the pillow Mm -hmm. it's that you know need to turn off the screen right pick up a book or a magazine or whatever but get rid of the tv get rid of the phone um you know and and find another way to kind of wind down yourself Mm -hmm. get rid of that blue light yeah yeah. And, you know, all these little electronic things put off frequencies and stuff that affect people's sleep and some are more sensitive to others. And that's the thing is we're all bio individuals, right? And what works for one person um, doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And so you have to be a bit of an investigator and, and try a few different things and figure out what, what is your, what works for you. Yeah. Self-awareness is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. In, in whatever whatever aspect of life we're really talking about it, it does come back to that. The more we can understand how we best operate, the, the better we're going to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we've already learned here, Yvonne, you have a lot of knowledge and, and have done a lot of work in the health field as a whole. And, and, and now um, 
you're you're working with others to to help improve their own habits. But if we could maybe kind of jump back to um, where where this uh, quest to understand your own habits and your own health, where that began, and um, and how how this journey started for you. Well. Um... How far back we want to jump? <laughs> well, yeah, um, whatever yeah, is um, relevant. Yeah, I um I have suffered from severe IBS type of symptoms, um, irritable bowel and digestive issues for over thirty years. Thirty years I've been fighting with um, my medical doctors to to uh, get some answers and to figure out what is going on. Um, I can track it back farther than that. I remember having problems as young as six and seven years old. Um, had heartburn as young as grade four, whatever you are in grade four, what eight nine. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, so it's gone along all my life, but I didn't I put up with it. Right. And I kept accepting what they told me. And the, the um, specialist kept telling me there was nothing they could do for me. Send me home and, and tell me to figure it on my own or whatever. And then when my daughter got sick and started having the same symptoms, I really started to push because now, of course, that old mama bear kind of type of attitude comes in. Right. And I'll be dug on if I'm going to let my daughter live for 30 years with these kind of issues like I have. Um, it, so now it's really time to get serious and really to find an answer because my mom had problems with um, gluten. She was diagnosed um, and had to go on a gluten-free diet. I thought she was diagnosed with celiac disease, but apparently it was just gluten sensitivity as well. I didn't know that until about three or four years ago. Um, but uh, I always thought it was celiac. And so when I got sick with the same type of symptoms and then Andrew got sick with the same type of symptoms, it just seemed so obvious. How could it not be celiac disease? And yet all the doctors that they sent to me to kept saying, no, your biopsy's fine. Your biopsy's fine. You don't have celiac. Eat the gluten. Eat the gluten. There's nothing wrong with you. And, um, and I really, when she got sick, she lost, I think, 75% of her school year in grade six. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I mean, she was just lucky she wasn't in junior high where, you know, it was really, really important, <laughs> right? Because and her, she had great friends that kept bringing her home, her uh, class assignments. And we have you know small town school. There's only, I don't know, like 200 kids from grade one to 12 in our little school, right? Mm-hmm. So we were very blessed that we were where we are living where we are um, because she would have fallen behind. Um, but that really pushed me. How can, how can this be? You know, there's got to be something going on. There's no re- way that it can be three generations and just be nothing. So I, I want to go back a little bit to, to growing up. Were you were you raised in the prairies? Yeah, born and raised here in, in Basha. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Nice. my grandparents farmed um, just outside of a little bit farther away, just another 20 minutes out towards the lake and stuff. And, and so, you know, very typical Alberta raising, right? Meat, potatoes, right. Um, work hard. My, my dad is a small business owner. He had a ready-mix concrete company here in our community and Works long, hard hours, um, you know. So very typical Alberta raising kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I remember prairie life, and, and, and I'm just thinking back to that time, and, and the whole idea of, you know, wheat or gluten being the problem to your health would not be a very. <laughs> it's kind of sacrilegious, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> would not be a very, um, you know, accepting idea in the prairies, and yeah. and so yeah. it, it's it's you know not surprising in some ways that you went 30 years with this issue without it being fully fully diagnosed because i'm sure yeah. just the idea maybe not even occurred or if it was brought up it it, it might be quickly dismissed as mm-hmm. you know hippie nonsense i don't know <laughs> yeah in fact I mean, that's exactly how i call it yeah. <laughs> that little hippie shit yeah, exactly. <laughs> now i am one of them little hippies yeah. Though, right? <laughs> yeah. right yeah exactly yeah and and then the thing is potatoes are actually turned out to be another one of my 
worst enemies mm. and so yeah growing up on a you know beef and, and yeah. potato and carrot lifestyle uh, and corn which i can't eat either um so um yeah all those things that were comfort foods as we would call them i guess yeah right were what our primary foods were and and those are some of the things that i have to avoid the most mm. now so so when you say sick um are you able to be a little bit more specific because i think that could be helpful for kind of illustrating you know some of the things that were, were causing your daughter to miss a third or two uh, three quarters of her school year um because I, I think there is some misconceptions out there with um you know if somebody's intolerant or has an allergy you know is it is it a stomach ache is it um you know not not having a good bowel movement is you know we're, we're going there people we're we're talking <laughs> we're talking bowel movements um, <laughs> you're talking with me <laughs> yeah yeah so so what what kind of uh what kind of symptoms were presenting and um and what what happens when it when it gets extreme um well for andrea my daughter um so she she would have really bad lower bowel cramps um so at first of course you know being a teenage girl they just doctors, you know, put it off as, oh, she's just going through her change. Right, and, yeah. You know, she just hasn't quite got her period yet, but there's all those things are happening and that's what the cramping is from. And so we, we bought into that for years, right? And then it still didn't come and it still didn't come. And finally, I said, this is ridiculous. It is not what it is. And I finally got the doctors to agree that that is, you know, that they agreed that it was likely not her period um, that was causing all these problems. Yes, it certainly got worse at that time of month. That's not uncommon to have um, digestive issues flare up for women uh, when they're menstruating, but um, but that was certainly not the problem. And so we had to just keep digging and digging. And um, for me, though, I would go like for over twenty some years. I was lucky if I had a bowel movement once every four days. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when I did, I'd have violent bowel movements or I would look and feel like I was pregnant all the time. Mm-hmm. I was always bloated and huge. Sometimes the cramps would be so strong that I couldn't even stand up. Mm-hmm. I would have to grab chairs and stuff because I would get like, it would feel like almost like it was um, like I was having a baby, right? Wow. You would have that terrible um, contractions and stuff like that. And um, and we still, you know, it's, it's a work in progress. I've been working on this now for five years or whatever it is. Well, 10 years on gluten-free and five years um, since I discovered natural health. Um, so but it's still, there's still times when um, I obviously eat something that I'm not aware of that affects my body in, in different ways. And and so it's an ongoing course of recorrection, you know, listen to your body, understand what it's saying, and then, um, and then try to figure out why it's doing it. And I mean, that's, that sounds, it just sounds awful. And, um, you know, I think about what they've named it, just irritable bowel syndrome. It sounds like fucking angry. I mean, that's that's like violent. That's like, you know, you can't stand. I mean, that's honestly like I, I'm already learning that it's so much more than than I even knew. And, and so I'm so glad you're, you're, you're really put, putting putting language to this. And I'm sure the listeners who are struggling with this are probably feeling relief in a way, knowing that, you know, it's not just irritated. I'm not just have a queasy stomach. I don't just have a mm-hmm. little bit of a a little bit of an uncomfortable <laughs> problem, you know? It's a serious, violent attack. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, it, can, it can be. Yeah. Everybody's different, right? Everyone's but, different, but yeah, at the same time. Yeah, I know then the whole, um, we've just built a new school here in our community a couple years ago, and then they had the whole idea of um, 
a gender bathroom, gender whatever the yes. terminology. You know what I mean? Right. right? Yeah. So having a bathroom in the um, in the school that's not um, stalls, right? It's a, it's a private bathroom. Yeah. And I really spoke up and I said, yeah, but you know what? That's not just somebody who has gender, you know, it, um, issues. I'm not sure whether they're which bathroom they should use. That should be available to everybody mm-hmm. because you do not know what child in or what adult in that school. Um, has digestive issues too, and it is it is extremely yeah. humiliating oh, to go yeah. into a public washroom and have violent diarrhea. Uh, right, like nobody wants to hear or smell that, and it's it come you you know you come back out of that of a public washroom like that, and you you just feel like the whole world seeing you and mm-hmm. is, is looking at you and judging you for it, right? And it can be very devastating, mm-hmm. especially for kids. Yeah. You know, they have enough things to deal with. Um, in school nowadays, we you know with relationships and, and everything else that we have going on. And, um, and then that's just one more cap in the feather, right? That just makes it just impossible for poor kids. And, and uh, the, the uh, incidence of depression amongst children who have um, digestive issues or food intolerance issues is insane. I can't remember the percentages, but it's like really, really, really high. Yeah, and I, I, I and saw that on your part of it. I saw that on your Facebook, Yvonne, um, that, that the percentage was upwards of 65 percent, which mm-hmm. is which is crazy. Sixty five percent of people who, who have this condition um, struggle with depression. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. That one I put up this morning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dr. Tom shared that one. And um, that's just crazy. Right. And he, I was surprised that it was that high um, in some ways, but then not in others. Right. Because, you know, I've lived it. I know it. I've seen it in my daughter. And that is one of the biggest things for them is that that isolation, that feeling of not having any friends and not having anybody that they can, um, you know, depend on or or confidence um, in. Right. And and talk to about it because it's devastating for them. No, absolutely. And, and, and you know, your daughter is lucky to have someone like yourself who is so engaged and patient and loving and understanding. Um, I'm wondering if the relationship you had with your folks when you were going through it was maybe different. How, what were some of the differences? Well, society was different then right, too, right? Yeah. Like you said a little bit earlier, you know, when we live in Alberta, you know, suck it up, princess, kind mm. of was a pretty big, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys use that out in the West. Yeah, for sure. Big Alberta, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> ah, suck it up, princess, right. get it over with it, <laughs> right? And so that is an attitude that we have had for generations, right? right? And um, that denial that it could just be something so simple as mm. um, as something that you're eating that's causing um, the under underlying cause, the under the root cause of what the problems are in the first place. But I mean, that could be helpful in some ways, just like power through, push through in some areas. But in mm-hmm. lots of areas, I mean, you need you need real medical at- attention. It's not about will or or, or manliness or or, yeah. or whatever whatever the term is. You know, it's, it's about you know lacking you know important information that can actually help the condition. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and the. Uh the nutrients that you're getting from food might not be being absorbed either. Like you, you might not actually be getting the benefits from food. Um, yeah. That's actually one of the ways that a lot of kids are diagnosed with celiac disease itself. Um, right. Is because they are malnourished and they're, um, they're just not absorbing the nutrients. And that's all part of the way the the gut works and the, and the, the villi and, and how the gluten destroys that. And so then you're not absorbing your nutrients. Um, because you're destroying those villi and everything in your in your small intestine, so um, so that's a really part of it. So a lot of kid, a lot of times people, especially kids, are noticed um, 
the doctors catch up on uh, iron deficiency. And so then they start doing a little bit more inquiring and then start questioning whether gluten is an issue for them. So my daughter was very skinny, very thin, um, mm -hmm. you know, even at like, I think even at grade six, five, six, when the kids would have, they'd have these cool um, things at the school, um, like snow festival days and stuff like that. And they'd be carrying her around on their shoulders, the, the high school kids. I'm like, cut her down. She's a big girl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. But she was so small um, and, and tiny for her size. And she, she was in her 95th percentile when she was born. She was a big girl. She was over nine pounds. Mm. Um, right. And they all just thought she was a premature child um, because she was so small. Mm. And so, yeah, she had, um, she didn't like some food. She was kind of a picky eater, um, but she was having a really tough time absorbing the nutrients that she was taking mm -hmm. in in the first place and i i just want to apologize because i'm getting uh a coughing attack yeah <laughs> i've been losing losing a battle with health a little bit myself here in the last few days but um i think i'm okay now you're being vulnerable man it's all right <laughs> leave, leave it in <laughs> yeah no, people, people will love this yeah um but a question i had as well is it the the it seems to be a rise of gluten issues and, and celiac disease and sensitivities do you think that um do you think that's a result of our bodies changing our food changing um or uh m more awareness that that this is a problem and, and not people just you know shying away from it and, and maybe it's a combination of of all of them but but w what what might your take be on that nowadays with the internet and everything else um you know we have access to information that we didn't you know when when we went gluten free i thought oh that's no problem i know what gluten is um mom's been dealing with it for whatever 25 years or whatever it had been right i don't know what gluten is no big deal and then i took me like one day and actually andra we had went um two days i think she was on gluten free with me and i said you got just eat whatever you want let me let mom figure this out and then when you're ready to try again we'll try again because I thought I knew what it was. And then it turned out it was hiding in so many places that my mom had absolutely no idea about. But because, you know, I could walk into a grocery store with a little phone in my hand and actually search and see if Campbell's chicken noodle soup, or no, well, that's a bad one, but uh, Campbell's <laughs> tomato soup has gluten in it, right? And she, she didn't know, and she was eating all kinds of foods um, mm -hmm. that, um, that she shouldn't have been. And she, she still felt sick and would cheat because she thought, well, I still feel so sick all the time. doesn't really matter, mm -hmm. right? And so there's way more information available to us. Um, there's um, a lot. There's a, I mean, you can't go into the bookstore and not find the dozens and dozens mm -hmm. of books about it nowadays, right? So there's no excuse for us not to have access to the information because there's so much of it. But farming practices have changed. Um, the, the way we process our food has changed. The amount of processed food we eat has changed. And it all plays a part. I just think it's it's one little block that just keeps popping on top of the next one, on top of the next one, on top of the next one, right? And it's that bile accumulation, as they refer to it, um, that it's same thing with the toxins and the chemicals. It's the bioaccumulation of all this stuff added up on top of us that is affecting it. The gluten itself is pretty physically changed it has way more wheat has way more gluten in it than it did um 20 years ago, 10 years ago. so so this has been a you know decades-long journey for you and i'm curious as to what the explanation was before you found out the real explanation like when you would go to the doctor and you knew intuitively something was dreadfully wrong um and what would they say was the reason and and then the second question that's connected is did you believe that reason 
I did. I uh, my um, the gastrologist that they kept sending me to uh, would do a biopsy and he'd say, "Not gluten. It's all you know. Just you have irritable bowel syndrome. You need to go home and figure out what's the problem." Well, how am I supposed to figure that? Well, it's probably stress because you have both um, constipation and diarrhea at the same time. So it's just stress. So you got to learn how to live with it. Hmm. Oh, well, okay, great, thank you. But how do I do that? Yeah. Right. And um, and I bought into it for years and years and years. And I and that's one of the biggest things I try to teach people is to really listen to your instincts. And if mm. you have a gut feeling, yeah, pun intended, uh, that <laughs> nice. um, that it is something, right? Then follow that. Don't listen to what they say. I mean, don't be don't be always on the internet searching it up and and <laughs> freak yourself out about everything. No, that's not healthy. But if you really feel that it's related to a certain thing then follow through with that and find out what you need to learn to decide if that really is it or not. Hmm. So what was your breakthrough moment when you finally did that, when you had the courage to say, no, I don't believe you. I know it's something more. Do, do you recall that moment? Was it? Was that it, was when yeah. Andrea got really sick okay. and um, she was scared to get blood tests. Like she would freak out with we, whenever we had to give a blood test for her, right? She just hated needles and hated mm-hmm. the doctors. And so uh, we had a fantastic um, um, family doctor. And because she was so young, she said, there's, I am not going to order a scope for her. Cause the only way you do a biopsy to be officially diagnosed with celiac disease is to do a biopsy. And they put a scope down a camera with a scope down your throat and they take a biopsy off the side of your small intestinal wall. Mm-hmm. And they look to see what the, what the Philly looks like and the condition of it, whether it's been damaged um, by the gluten and that's, that's the only really true test still in Canada. And she was no, not going to put her through that. She said, there's no way. And then we it would probably just get a negative. Like you've been negative dozens of times now. She'll probably just get a negative anyway. So the only way, only way to find out is just to, you guys to both go on the diet. And so that that's what we did. And then eventually when Andrea was in grade 11 or something like that, we actually did have to have that um, scope done and test it. So she had to eat gluten. Um, for a couple weeks and um, intentionally let herself be incredibly ill mm. just so that she could get that test done. Uh. Um, but um, that's why I always tell people too that if you have a suspicion that gluten is an issue, then try to get the test done first because otherwise you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna get make yourself intentionally sick just to find out that you have to stop eating this. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Do what we're doing, right? So. Yeah, there's a little bit of due diligence there. It's good to know the science, but just because the science comes back negative, um, you need to understand what that really means and um, the tests, what they are actually testing for and that it's not perfect. Hmm. So trust your instincts still and, and look into it on your own and just keep pushing. Yeah, that's, that's um, good advice. It can be applied to a, a few different areas for sure. Um, when when you did start making the drastic changes to to the food that you were eating and and um, yeah and and potentially <clears throat> were there were there other areas when when you did make those changes did, did you, was it kind of a holistic change and and what what effects did you start seeing um, when, when you did make those changes? At first, um, first six years or seven years, it was we just took out gluten, and um, well, I had taken out drinking milk probably 10 years before that, that made a big difference in my health as well. Um, but when we took out the gluten for me, it was four days and it was like night and day. I wow. couldn't believe wow. how much difference it was. You know, and that's very unusual, um, but very fortunate if you have that good of a result, right? Because then it's pretty obvious. Um, but unfortunately, it can be so many things like 
gluten can affect us, for example, um, not just in the digest digestion end of things, it could make you just have um, feel off and feel like that brain fog as we often refer to it, right? Or maybe you get a headache or maybe you get some joint pain that you didn't have before. Or maybe you're irritable and, um, you know, snap at your kids or your, your spouse easier. Or your podcast right? partner. And there's a emotional connections like the depression quote that you um, mentioned earlier, right? So those kinds of things make it so much harder to make the connection mm -hmm. because we're in our society just aren't used to making that connection. Absolutely. Yeah. And if, yeah. if you're already not very self-aware, self then you're not going to make those connections anyways. So exactly. Bring, and that's... Yeah. Yeah. And that's where like a health coach or, you know, working with a natural practice practitioner of some kind right can help you identify that because mm -hmm. that they're aware of it but once you become aware of it and understand it then um then you just start looking for it and you start to realize that oh well, maybe you know maybe i should keep an eye on that next time right you know it, it's funny i i realized as about myself not with gluten but with a coffee like maybe five or ten years ago you know i used to i'm a i love coffee love the smell of it love the taste of it i don't just drink it for the caffeine i drink it because i enjoy it and I would drink it, you know, in, until the afternoon. And then, you know, I just wasn't sleeping. Oh, I, you know, I was so self-unaware. I'm like, that's weird, you know, and, and but I wouldn't change anything. But then I started noticing it actually started to increase anxiety in my life. Like I would just feel jittery and and, and irritated easily and, and, you know, sort of fretty and, and just sort of this nervous energy. And I was just in, you know, my smart wife was just like, why don't you just cut back on coffee? And I don't want to. It's so delicious. You know, it's part of my routine. It's part of my habit, right? Mm -hmm. This is what makes it hard for people to make health changes sometimes is it's comforting to have these. Well, I always have a cup of coffee at 3 p.m. with my break or I sit down with a book and I have my cup of coffee. So it's hard to give that up. It's that emotional thing as well. But yeah. when I did, now I just have one at 6 a.m. right when I wake up. That's right. 6 a.m. And... <laughs> And, uh, and I don't have it. And I, I haven't had those symptoms for a decade since I made that switch. And so I'm guessing it was similar in your own life, just with uh, giving up that gluten, you all of a sudden start to notice, like, perhaps you don't feel those emotional feelings you had before or those physical sensations. Yeah, once you once you become aware of it, you, know, you start to notice in all kinds of areas of your right. life, right? Yeah. I mean, there was a time when I was trying to lose weight. I joined a, an organization called Tops. I don't know if you guys have out west there. Take pounds off sensibly. It's kind of like a Weight Watchers kind okay. of thing, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, so you go in and you get weight every week and that kind of thing. And I was the biggest loser. You know, that's what it, right? <laughs> right. the person who lost the weight was the biggest loser. It was right. a good thing, not a bad thing. Yeah. And, but I would be the biggest loser. I'd lose six, seven, eight pounds in the week. Well, it's because I couldn't get off the toilet. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd spend the whole week in the, in the bathroom. Right. Well, yeah, I was so dehydrated on top of everything else. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, I'd lose a whole pile of weight. Well, that wasn't good. No, no. <laughs> that wasn't a good yeah. thing. I was being celebrated for it. But that was that was what was feeding the whole problem in the first place, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, health is so much more than just a number for sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and and as as we're talking about, there's there's habit systems that come into play, and and there's also kind of those those bigger um, societal norms. I mean, like you look at Canada's food guide, and and you know how many uh, servings of of wheat and and yeah, uh, for sure. And gluten, do they do they recommend per day? I don't know if that's still relevant, but I, you know, you, you can picture those those food pyramids that are a they're they're one of the staples of Canada's economy. So I wonder if that has any any link Sponsored at all. Sponsored by the prairies, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the dairy farmers, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, you know that that's how our our country operates, and and 
you know that there's that that norm that you know a, a traditional dinner is a, a piece of meat mm-hmm. some some sort of grains yeah and uh and a couple of vegetables and is that what's actually best for us is that what's actually best for our planet right maybe not yeah well and what we don't realize um too is how much of those beliefs that we have are not really science we think you know that's it's all about science right and you know breakfast is the most important meal of the day well what makes breakfast any more important than any other meal nothing there's no science that says breakfast is the most important meal of the day every meal is important Mm -hmm. putting proper nutrition in your body is important regardless of what time of day it is or isn't Mm -hmm. right Um, but so many of what we believe in what we believe is to be true is actually decades of advertising yeah (laughs) Yeah. i'm sure right and and it's getting past that and that that's one of the hardest things is to change people's um belief system about that i guess their attitude about that is because it's so ingrained in our society i had a long discussion with one of my doctors uh one day it's not the one i normally go to and and uh but he comes serves our community and yes he didn't have anybody after me that day (laughs) we had a long discussion about it right and and he agreed you know so much of what we believe is to be true is not really science it's it's like depression we're we're got the now new new society believes that depression is a chemical imbalance well who says that there's no science to say depression is a chemical imbalance right but we believe it is because we're told that we'll fix it by taking this medication therefore it'll fix our chemical imbalance and we will be all better now right and we really have to look at at where are the sources of this information comes from so yeah. you know you're what you just said about depression not being a chemical imbalance um i'm, I'm thinking some of the people some of our listeners who struggle with that <coughs> may be leaning in a little bit like um well you know mine is you know maybe some people's isn't are, are you are you saying like across the board it's not a chemical imbalance or are you saying um, it's so much more than just a chemical imbalance? Well, yeah, it's more than it. But, you know, in our society, we want the simple answer, right? We want to just be able to take the pill or the quick fix or whatever it might be. So often it's medication, right? For sure. Um, but there's so much more to that. Depression is a, a very complicated situation, mm-hmm. right? And we need to look at all aspects of our health, our physical or emotional health that play into that because there's a lot of it that plays into it. Um, but um, it's more work to maybe look at it as a holistic end of things and what, what's causing the underlying cause of the problem, right? It doesn't matter what kind of health issue we have, we could choose to put a Band-Aid on it, or we can choose to look at what is causing the problem in the first place, which is where um, natural health and functional medicine and that kind of thing, that's where they look at it. They look at what is causing the problem in the first place. You know, my husband doesn't turn off the, the um, a lot of times we call monkey brain at night. He, he can't <laughs> go to sleep at night because he's always worrying about all the things he has to do the next day, yeah. right? And, um, you know... Most doctors would just throw some kind of medication at you. And when we went to the functional medicine um, doctor, he looked at, you know, what is it? What is it about what's going on in your body that could be causing that in the first place? Right. Um, What's happening with your adrenals? What's happening with, you know, your thought process? Right. Maybe you actually need to talk to the um, therapist, you know, not the medical doctor. Mm -hmm. Right. About how you can how you could find ways to to um, deal with that before you go to bed. Yeah. So the the equation um, of eating terrible food 
feeling terrible and then just throwing Pepto-Bismol on it is not um, is not actually the best solution. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, well, and like, I, I mean, I lived with, um, you know, Nexium or Prevacid, you know, acid blockers, right? Because I had mm-hmm. such bad um, a heartburn. And I was told that one time I would kind of suck it up and, you know, accept it. And then my medical doctor said, but you keep doing that, you're going to, you're going to burn your esophagus up and you're going to get esophagus cancer, right? You mm-hmm. no heartburn. You can't allow yourself to have any heartburn because I already have cells changed within my throat. As a society, we solved that by giving them, uh, giving the patient an acid block. But I believe it's like 80% of all patients who have are on that type of medication actually don't have enough, enough acid in their stomach in the first place. That is what's causing the problem is they don't have enough acid mm. in their stomach to digest the food. So we're giving them a medication that reduces the acid it's just one big old circle, right? Yeah, for sure. They can't digest the food. So then the food is going into the small intestine undigested. It's supposed to be digested in the stomach properly, broken down to a certain level, right? Before it goes into the small intestine and then it's not. So now the digestion has to take happen, happen in the small intestine, which means gas is going to be produced. So then all they're going to start getting more bloated and have gas and bloating and, you know, and flatulence and all that kind of stuff because it's not supposed to be happening in that part of our body, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, no, I think that's a brilliant point you just made up with with saying the enemy is acid. Let's re- let's eliminate the acid. It's like, well, you know, we have it for a reason. It's it's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's not the enemy. It's 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 like this whole obsession we have in our culture with Perel and hand sanitizing, right? The yes. enemy the enemy is we have germs on our hands. Well, actually, if you talk mm-hmm. to experts, the, the 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 you know the the bacteria we have on our hands are integral to us not getting sick actually mm-hmm. and in fact mm-hmm. the, the, there's studies that show that the more sanitizing you do on your hands the more sick you're probably going to get so yep. it's a, it's just this you know false idea in in our in our current science that that um people believe that eliminating these things is is what's going to cause is what's going to bring health but in fact it brings more disease Mm-hmm. And, and so that's a really good example, right? Because yeah. it's back to advertising. It's yeah. not science that shows us that antibacterials are important. Absolutely. Because they're not. Yeah. No. <laughs> right? But it's advertising. We've been believed that advertising has got us to believe that uh, we need to have antibacterial everything. Antibacterial laundry soap nowadays? Yeah. I mean, really? I know. What the heck do you, what are you doing with your clothes that you would need to put antibacterial on? Like, what, <laughs> yeah. do you work in the, in the OR? Right? Okay. Well, yeah. if you work in the OR and you work in a meat market, well, maybe you really need to lose a little more soap than the rest of us. Right. Um, but you certainly don't need antibacterial. Yeah. Right? And that is um, one of the worst things. Um, a lot of the functional medicine and naturopathic doctors, will, will that's one of their biggest things is, the worst things that we are doing for society is A, we're using antibiotics and B, using all these antibacterial everything because mm-hmm. it's completely destroying our gut health. Yeah. And, if, and if we don't have that good bacteria in our gut, then the other guys start to take over and we start having all kinds of issues. Mm. So is, um, are the, the people who are putting antibacterial everything out into, the, into our culture, are they going to be like the... Um, the the smoking um, right. marketers from from the fifties, and uh, <laughs> you know, is that is that going to be the the next wave of uh, realizing that all of these messages are actually causing a, a great deal of of health hazards? Hmm. Well, and I think we're starting to get smart to it, you know, because now we're starting to understand what the microbiome, which is the good bacteria or the the bacteria, right, and the fungal and all the things that live in our our, our body, not just in our gut, because we have microbiome everywhere in our body 
Um, there's different kinds of microbiome in all parts of our organs and things like that. But we're starting to really understand how important this microbiome is to our health and, and what is all, what do we do to destroy it? And so, and that's one of the key things is that we need to understand what we're doing to destroy it, destroy it and stop doing that, right? Stop destroying it all the time. You know, um, antibacterials do that, but so does sugar, so does stress, so does lack mm -hmm. of sleep, right? All those things affect these microbiome. And, um, and that's the big new catchphrase, right? Is protect your microbiome. And, and mm -hmm. the advertisers are catching into that. You know, Dove is, Dove is talking about how their soap is so great it doesn't destroy the microbiome on your skin. Right. Well, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. But, <laughs> um, but it's, a, it's, the, it's the new thing, right? And you see it popping up in all the advertising now because they know it's important. So they keep throwing that catchphrase around hoping people will buy into their, their little bit of BS. But, um, but that's what makes the world go around, right? Buy our products, buy our products. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So this is a question that, that has come up a few times, and, and I think I've asked it, <laughs> all of them. But it's, it's so important that we, we filter the crap and you know, reduce the noise of advertisers who, as you mentioned, like, we, we, we hear advertisements way more than scientific studies or, mm -hmm. or things that are actually beneficial to us so the question is where do you go for for quality information quality unbiased information in an age where there's almost always a spin that is promoting a product or or um or a cause that is you know, of personal benefit to the people putting the messages out well i think that's the biggest challenge right is is knowing whether the information you're reading is a good source of information um, and, and it's really, really hard now because um, media, <laughs> things like Facebook and stuff like that, are stopping um, the, the proper information from getting out there because uh, it's threatening other avenues of society yeah. feel threatened by it. And so they are, they are, it's our, it's our new, you know, there's no such thing as free speech anymore. You can speak all you want as long as it doesn't affect my bottom line for my product. Right. <laughs> and so, um, and so we're at a real crossroads in our, in our society. Um, people are trying to speak up and those that are speaking up sometimes are um, labeled as being troublemakers or um, there's all kinds of different words out there nowadays for them. Right. And it's really, really unfortunate because there's some of those key websites that um, really do have amazing information that are being shut down and um, and are having a lot of a lot of challenges to get their word out there. And, uh, you know, it's a new society that we're dealing with now. Hmm. So we all love food, I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, oh, yeah, I, I love food. I mean, I, I, I might even argue I, I, I depend on it. <laughs> <laughs> and so. I think it'd be useful to maybe share a few of those foods that might be there might be common wisdom that says they're they're fine, they're good for you. In fact, you should eat them. But but sort of new research has shown that they're they're actually very destructive. Is, is there some that you can kind of list off the top of your head that people might be surprised to find out that they're actually not beneficial for them? Well, I mean there's some obvious ones like caffeine and sugar, right? right. We know those, but the other thing, the rest of them really, it's not that they're bad foods. It's just that they might not be good for you. And okay. that's the key. So it very comes right back to, we kind of yeah. talked earlier about bio individual, right? That you are a unique individual. Mm. And it's determining what foods is best for you as a person. Okay. And what best for you might be different than your wife and your children, which okay. is challenging then, right? Because we would rather just make one meal that 
you know, can feed right. all of our family, right? And so it can be challenging. But some of the foods that are really common, and in Canada, we're extremely fortunate because a lot of these foods are also in the Food Labeling Act as um, known allergens. And so they have to be identified on a Canadian label. So as long as you're buying Canadian products uh, that are legal to sell in Canada, they must be identified. And those are things like wheat and corn and dairy, um, soy. Um, those are some of the big ones. Uh, peanuts is another really big one, right? Tree nuts and peanuts are different classification altogether, right? Peanuts are a legume. Um, but also peanuts and pistachios, those kinds of nuts. It's it's not so much that the nut itself even, it's it's the way in which they're processed, processed and stored yeah. at. And there's actually can be quite a lot of, um, of mold on them. Hmm. And that is often what's causing the problem for different people too. Hmm. So, so it's not that those are bad food. Potatoes are not bad. Mm-hmm. I can eat potatoes. They're a nightshade. Um, and when I eat the, the nightshade, there's tomatoes and potatoes and peppers and eggplant. Um, those, they cause problems for my stomach. I, I swell up and I start to get bloated, especially with potatoes. Um, but they also make my arthritis in my hands hurt. And so if I eat them, then uh, I have pain in my hands and I have problems with grip strength and stuff like that. But if I avoid them, then I don't have those issues. And so I don't have to take the medication or anything like that for the, to offset the arthritis symptoms, but just stop eating the food that's causing part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Right? So hypothetically, let's, let's say there's this, this person who's, uh, you know, 34, 35 years old, something like that, uh, recalls first getting heartburn um, when at like the age of 12 and, and it has plagued him, him or her, asking for a friend, um, ever, ever since then. Um, and it's, you know, not, not an everyday thing, but it's a, a common occurrence and, and might have kept that person up the last two nights, in fact. Um, wh- what would you say... Is their name? <laughs> <laughs> it's we don't want any name names. No. Um, but what, what would you say is is the the best route to begin to better understand what what the cause of that might be, or or um, or what the the solution journey might look well, like? It usually comes back down to getting the the um, the gut, and by that I mean the whole part of our digestive system, right? So our stomach as well as our intestinal system um, back in balance. Because if you're having heartburn, that means that the acid in your um, in your stomach is just not probably at the right pH level, right? Mm. And so it's causing different problems. So you wanna look at how to get that back in the right pH level in the first place. And um, so being aware of what foods creates that, is creating that issue, writing down what foods um, you ate, and then uh, making the association with when the symptoms show up can help you to figure out what foods are, are a problem. Um, but look, looking at how you can um, holistically um, correct the pH in your in your digestive system. And I mean, I'm not a doctor, but a lot of the natural paths will work with something like um, apple cider vinegar, for example. A lot of people do that trick where they take apple cider vinegar with some water um, 20 minutes or half an hour before you eat. And then that helps to jump start basically the the acid in your stomach so that the acid is being produced in your stomach prior to you putting the food into it right um, but when you look at traditional way we used to eat and then the same way if you go into you know a nice restaurant what do they give you they give you a, a salad with bitter bitters on it like a like a, um, a spinach salad or something like that well bitters also help to, to jump start the digestive system right and so it's like vinegars acid side or um, 
uh, oil and vinegar salad dressing and things like that, right? And so we, as a society, have gotten away from a lot of those traditional things that we used to do. And there was a reason that they all worked, mm-hmm. right? And we've gotten away from that because we want this fast food, um, easy, quick, you know, meal and run to the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it affects us a lot, um, mentally and physically, that part of that whole mm, not having that gratitude at mealtime, right? Taking the time to really appreciate and be grateful for the food that's on your table. Not that, and I don't mean by that. Yes, we did that when we used to be a family unit and we'd have eat together and we'd have a prayer before a meal. Um, but it's not about the religion part of it. It's just about that time, taking that time to really appreciate the food we're about to eat, right? And taking the time to consume it and not eating it in a, yeah. in a hurry. Are, th- are there any studies... Um between the difference between North American culture and and links to digestive system issues and um, and like the Mediterranean or, or even European style of eating, which which definitely mm-hmm. has more of that, uh, you know, it's almost celebratory. It's a longer process. It's a, it's an experience with multiple courses. Whereas in North America, we we see ourselves, you know, it, food is almost like a a requirement or like an item to check check off the the to-do list um you know you see people eating in the car i saw someone eating yogurt in the car out of a bowl while driving <laughs> not that long ago you said you want to yeah. bring that up andrew <laughs> oh, God. well and that's the interesting thing to, to note right like um there's a lot of people who have gluten issues celiac disease and some things and they can go to europe especially you know places like um italy and france right and they can eat anything they want they can eat the bread they can eat the pasta and everything and there's a lot of a lot of things happening there one of them is that they don't allow glyphosate on their their crops over there so they don't have the chemical um showing up in the in the food system as much as we do and that's round um, so that's a that's one big theory right yeah but they take the time to appreciate their food too um and um and make meal time an event Mm-hmm. not not a rite of passage mm-hmm. <laughs> right and um and so there's a lot of things like there's been so many studies done um uh in the program i i my health coaching program we take it to also talk about primary food he calls it and that's actually everything that's not food you know and there's so many studies being done that people's health people areas of the of societies have uh, amazing health issues and they still eat like crap and they still have some of the bad habits the rest of us do but yet they're happy and they're healthy. And why is that? Well, sometimes it's because of the social aspect of their society. And so there's all kinds of things like that that uh, uh, contribute to our health that aren't about food. Well, and honestly, I, I feel like there's one just obvious change people can make just immediately. I mean, even while listening to this podcast, and that's just start drinking more water. Yeah. I mean, water is key to so many of these things we've talked about. Um, so many things. I mean, it, it helps your digestion. It helps your energy. It helps your skin health. I mean, it, it's literally almost like a miracle. And, and so many of us are just dehydrated most of yes. our lives. And because all we're drinking is things like coffee and sugar drinks, which dehydrate us even more. Yes. And, and we're not reaching for that water. And so, I mean, Andrew will attest to it. I have like a, a two a, you know, a two pound water bottle I carry everywhere with me. And, and since I made that change, I mean, I feel way better way better um and and i just think that's one easy cheap inexpensive change people can make immediately um beyond all these other things we're talking about 
Yeah, um, water is, I mean, water is key, right? Yeah. And I, I usually suggest too, is a lot of times we just don't realize how little we are. We think, oh, I'm drinking long. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you can tell when you go to the bathroom whether you're drinking enough. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> how dark, dark your urine is, That's right? right? It, it yeah. shouldn't be bright yellow. Right. Um, right. You know, unless you eat food coloring. But, um, <laughs> but that's a great indication of whether you're really drinking enough water, too. But mm. just having a container like that, knowing, you know, that you need to drink X amount of water, you know, which should be eating um, half an ounce per body weight minimum of our, so I'm 150 pounds. I should be drinking 75 ounces of water a day. And so I weigh it out. I have containers that I know how much hmm. um, is in that. And I know I have to have four or five of those bottles a day. And I actually fill them up at the beginning of the day. And that way, every time I walk past and I can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. Or no, I better get my butt drinking. Yeah. Um, one thing, too, with the digestion when it comes to water is just to be aware of how much you drink at meals, though. Um, because if you're drinking too much water um, when you're eating your meal, especially if it contains meat, then you can be diluting your stomach acids um, mm. and having that can create um, some problems for you. Uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So just to be aware of how much that water is at, at mealtime. Right. So, so you would recommend just eating your whole meal without any water and having some after or? Well, it's okay to have a glass or so, but don't, don't get carried away. That's okay. the, the thing with the society is we have supersized everything, right? Yeah. I mean, there's that whole movie called Supersize or whatever it's yes. called even too, right? Yeah. And we've supersized everything and our meal portions are massive. Mm-hmm. Um, we have increased the size of almost everything other than, you know, water. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but so many of us have that, uh, that, well, I don't like the taste of just plain water. I have to have something else with it. And so we put all kinds of other garbage in our water um, to try to encourage ourselves to drink it more. And some of those things are okay, like, you know, throwing some fresh fruit in your in your water, some lemon or mm-hmm. from cucumber or whatever. Those things are fine. But adding, you know, artificial sweetener, water flavoring things, um, you know, it's not doing us any favors whatsoever. Well, and can we say the obvious about <clears throat> bottled water? It's horrible for our planet. Yeah. Stay away from bottled water. They've even done tests and like 90 plus percent of it isn't even better than like water out of a tap. Um, Just really, you know, buy a water bottle. You know, they're all BHA free now anyways. And just carry it around and fill up your water. Stay away from the bottled water. I I will say the other obvious thing is there's nothing more refreshing than an ice cold Coca-Cola. (laughs) Um, I think that's, I'm pretty sure it's science that has proved that. Um, (laughs) I don't think advertising is involved at all. No. Yeah. And they might sponsor us now, but that comes in a bottle and and it's full of sugar. (laughs) But I hear you. (laughs) I haven't had one in five years. Yeah, no, I I don't remember the last time I I drank. drank But you're right. I mean, those things are refreshing for sure. And it's so hard. We just, I was just having this conversation with my, my husband this morning, right? You know, there's so much debate over what kind of water is good for you mm-hmm. as far as i'm concerned just try not to have more water that has chlorine in it right. right try to filter out the chlorine out of your water because all that chlorine that you keep consuming is affecting your microbiome in your gut right because chlorine does what it kills bacteria right and mm. and so protect your your gut flora by you know reducing the amount of chlorine so a little Ber- i have a berkey filter i love it but you can use like one of those um carbon filters or whatever that takes out the chlorine and stop drinking out of your pool folks <laughs> you dogs um <laughs> qu- question because people love like tips or like quick you know we, we did talk about like the magic pill and everything and, and that's all bullshit and but are there any foods that that you have learned that are just we just could really benefit from from more of um and i i know it's a holistic thing but 
anything that you've learned that people just couldn't go wrong with with adding more of that in their diet well i mean obviously vegetables right (laughs) the more vegetables i mean fruit still can be sugar um so you it's way better for you to eat fruit than than um you know processed sugar for sure right yeah or coca-cola go have an apple or a pear or a mango or pineapple right but um and so those are always steps and that's the thing is a is you don't have don't make don't put the pressure on yourself to suddenly be this amazing healthy person that only eats um, you know, green smoothies and stuff like that. So this is probably not going to stick, right? right? Yeah. I mean, change has to happen slowly, usually for you to make a change, you know, that's going to stick to it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not about how many changes you make, it's how many you keep doing, mm-hmm. right? And so in six months from now, are you going to still do that? Right. Right. So just try to make slowly make uh, healthy choices as much as you can do, um, reduce the amount of processed foods because processed foods have all kinds of hiding um, chemicals in them they have all kinds of sugar hidden in them um big big food companies have have uh people on staff that are their sole job is to figure out how much sugar they can put in there so that the product is addicting to you yeah um, without you noticing that it's there and so uh, we need to be aware of that and just uh, you know but if you cut back on the amount of processed foods and eat real whole foods real food real i would say if it has a label then um, you know, think twice about it. But if it doesn't have a label, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about what's in an apple or an orange or, or um, some cucumber or carrots or whatever, right? Yes, we want to eat as organic as we can and reduce the amount of chemicals that are exposed to everything, but one step at a time. But in terms of superfoods, there's that's a kind of a big name, you yeah. know, superfoods. And we usually think of that as berries and all, and, and kelp and all those kinds of things, which are great. <laughs> <laughs> they might not taste all that great, but they're really good for us. But one of the things that uh, when it comes to digestion, um, that's some of the best things and the easiest thing that you can do for your, to improve your digestive health is actually to eat bone broth, homemade bone broth. Hmm. Bone broth. Hmm? Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, if you can get organic um, bones, great. But we just, you know, when we ever we have chicken, um, we usually buy a whole chicken. My husband cuts it up and he does this butterfly flat thing on the, you know, on the barbecue and he takes out the backbone and all that kind of stuff. And we just save all the bones. If we buy a pre-made, uh, pre-cooked chicken from the grocery store, you know, you save all those bones, throw them all in the, in the deep freeze. And then when you have enough, put them in the slow cooker, add some celery, maybe a bay leaf, some pepper, couple tablespoons apple cider vinegar which is kind of the key ingredient there because it helps to pull the collagen out of the bones hmm. and then just cook it for chicken for 24 hours beef for 48 strain it throw all the vegetables and the bones away and just keep the liquid put it in the fridge and then instead of having coffee have a glass of bone, bone broth <laughs> it's very soothing your, your stomach feels so good because that nice warm and it kind of comfort and it comes back to old grandma made you chicken noodle soup or whatever she made you soup when you were sick well it's true we yeah. didn't know the science behind it all then but now we do and you know but grandma did it for a reason because she knew it made you feel good mm-hmm. right? and it did that in more ways than one right it did that because she was giving you some love right coming from her um sometimes it's called vitamin l right, right. Um, that love that is a um that energy that love puts into our food um, is it got a lot of healing powers to it as well. Um, but um, now we're getting kind of into the hippie stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah, this is, um, this is where we are. But the so. collagen <laughs> and, and the minerals that come from the bone broth itself um, has a lot of healing properties, especially when you have something called leaky gut, which is what often is uh, um, part of the problem with gluten, is that the, the, the single cell membrane lining um, that's in the 
between the blood system and the digestive system um, opens up and gluten actually has something called zonulin in it that actually opens up that that junction and allows undigested foods and toxins that aren't been filtered properly through our body yet to get into our blood system and that's one of the reasons that it causes um, such havoc uh, inflammation and different things that are going on in our in our in our body but the bone broth actually helps to kind of close that off and seal it off and repair that lining and just kind of keeps everything healthy Hmm. Yeah, we hear a lot of catchphrases like, you know, stay away from foods that are acidic and foods that help inflame you. What are the most mm-hmm. common foods that 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 I would say that you would say fit that description? Well, it's back to the same ones again, right? So gluten, mm-hmm. dairy, soy, okay. um, eggs, peanuts. Eggs? Do um, you say eggs? Yeah. Damn, I have like four or five a day. I love it. Well, that's not bad as oh, long it's as not? it's not something. But if it's causing inflammation, it's not good. No, it's right? not. No, I feel great. And that's no, a, there. that comes back to your, <laughs> your, you as a bio individual. Right? No, knowing how it affects me. Yeah. Eggs mm-hmm. got a bad rap for cholesterol for so many years. They now did. we know that, that that is a bunch of BB. Exactly. Right? And yeah. so um, eggs are fine for us. Oh, but if eggs are causing the inflammation that might be in your knee or, or whatever, um, then, then that's good. Chronic inflammation causes chronic illness. And that is, that's mm. the way the, um, you know, naturopathic health or functional medicine will look at is kinding back to that root cause. What is the root cause of the, of the issues? And um, it's very commonly believed around many of those doctors now that the root cause of all autoimmune conditions is um, food reactions or the foods that just aren't serving you properly, mm. um, toxins, and infections, so things like um, bacteria or fungal infections or parasitical infections. Um, some of them are really common and well known, and others like SIBO and um, Candida are not well known. Um, and those can be a big issue. And then, of course, stress and diet, because those play a point, a part of all illness. What about sprouted grain bread? <laughs> Well, sprouted grains are generally. Very I'm asking good. for all my friends here. John, John's yeah. starting with breakfast, and he's going to work through the rest of the day. No, because because I eat a ton of scro- sprouted grain bread, and is yeah. that like is that good for you? Is that okay? Or if, yeah, yeah, very good. Um, when Unless you sprout, have a gluten allergy. Yeah. When we sprout grains, I mean, it comes back down to understanding what gluten does for us and what gluten is in it and how it breaks how gluten gluten breaks down. And so one of the reasons that our ancestors didn't have as much problem with gluten was because they actually sourdoughed right. their bread, right? right? And so yeah. the act of sourdoughing, that process of fermenting the sour the, the bread um, helps to break down mm-hmm. um, the zonulin and other things in the gluten that are causing a problem. Gotcha. And so they're less of a problem for us. And so sprouted brain, grains do that same thing. Mm. And so that's the thing. And so if um, for people who don't want to, they just don't want to go there. They don't want to, they want to keep their bread. They want to keep their pizza um, and they don't want to remove gluten. One of the things you can do is switch it up, switch up to organic um, wheat. You know, um, there's some old ancient grains that are, um, haven't been altered as much. And so don't have as high a percentage of gluten in them and getting back to some of these old processes that we used to do, like fermenting, um, fermenting foods and sprouting foods and stuff. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And yeah. that's why there's a real push in our society now is to get back to some of these traditional foods, right? Uh, probiotics and kombucha is becoming very, very popular now and kimchi and sauerkraut and those kinds of things, which are fantastic as long as they're not pasteurized and kill all the good bacteria that, that there you know, should be in there, right? Um, but there's a real push to get those kinds of things back in our life because we're starting to truly understand the science behind it and how much it, it really works. It wasn't just like grandma told you that, you know, 
you would if you should really have a spoonful of sauerkraut every day well <laughs> i don't like your sauerkraut grandma yeah. <laughs> right um but there was so much value to all of that mm. yeah so yeah. so this this friend of mine who has um kimchi and and um and kefir and uh mm-hmm. um kombucha in 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 their fridge right now and still getting heartburn issues and and <clears throat> gastritis flare-ups um wh- what what is the what is the next step for for this person is is it time to finally like actually talk to a, a professional and a and go to a naturopath i would um i think that you know it's it's really tough because you know they're not covered by our health system right so we have to fork out some cash um but for me when i did that four years ago i had been looking for a naturopath and i couldn't find one um you know, there's different people that do different things, but they weren't a doctor of naturopathic medicine um, or a functional medicine doctor. And uh, when I found one four years ago, that was the night and day for us. Um, it was really the, um, the straw that broke the camel's back or whatever, I guess you sort of call it the opposite of that, I guess. But, um, but that was what really made a huge difference for me. And they can do different things like testing to see what foods um, could be a problem. They can do a blood test um, to see what foods are causing inflammation in your body recently. It's not perfect. There, every kind of everything we have in society is not perfect, right? Um, we have to understand what it does for us and what the limitations of it are um, to figure out what's going on. But they're a really good good place to start because they can start to look at what else is happening inside. Um, they'll ask you a ton of different kind of questions about what your your health is like in terms of um, your habits and um, what kind of things you're exposed to, because there can be all kinds of different reasons that that cause it. Yeah, if this friend of Andrew's drinks, would that impact anything? <laughs> Alcohol drastically affects our microbiome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kills off our microbiome, right? So, but there's all kinds of, and, that, and that's the thing about um, you know getting healthy. It's it's not about depriving yourself of everything that you love. It's it's understanding what your body um, does better on, so you can make better choices. And when you want to, you know, indulge in a little of this or a lot of that, if you know what the uh, consequence will be, then you can judge that based on what's happening in your life in the next couple of days, hmm. whether you really want to do that or not, right? And even some alcohols would affect you worse than others. Like someone might be able to have a bit of whiskey, but they can't have red wine or they can have. And so just all this comes back to kind of what we started with, just being more self-aware, being more mm-hmm. in tune with your body, um, actually, you know, journaling perhaps your reactions to things and, and starting to make the changes. And, and then the things you do eat, you know, trying to do organic and trying to stay away from things that have been sprayed with chemicals and, and all this kind of stuff. So it's an Well, and we have to give ourselves a break and realize that um, perfection is a bunch of right. BS, right? Yeah. Like we all know that it's, a, it's the death of all kinds of things, perfectionism. And so um, don't put it on yourself to be to be perfect with that no um just do your best you know we can't eat 100 organic here there's no way i live in a town of 800 people mm-hmm. i can't buy organic lettuce at the grocery store right, right. i can sometimes i can get it when i go to camrose or whatever but even to go to camrose i can't always get organic everything either because it's the still it's a small city um it's you know you'd have to go all the way i'm not driving to edmonton once a week to get groceries <laughs> that's just not practical mm-hmm. uh, right and spend all that kind of extra money on groceries like that so you do the best you can you know we grow as much as we can my mom has an amazing garden you free some of that um and you just have to figure out what's the best use of your money right now there's a there's a list too if you're interested there's uh people can go online by the uh, um environmental working group produces a loose a list called the clean 15 and the dirty dozen and so the dirty dozen is the 
the dozen worst cases of foods that um, use the most amount of sprays and chemicals in their production. And so those are really good places to buy organic in, the, in those, like strawberries is always near the top of the list, yeah, right? Sure. So, so when you know that, then you can make better choices um, to use your money effectively. And for example, avocados are almost always on the top of the clean 15 list. So then hmm. maybe spending all that extra money on an organic avocado Interesting. Maybe that's not the best use of your your cash, right? They also bruise a lot easier too. The organic avocados, the oh. yeah, they they bruise all the time. So it's good to know because I I uh, gave up. There's no worse feeling than cutting open an avocado and and being super excited about it and then having it just a mess in there. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can stick with. Oh, the, and that's the a na- hard one for us too because like it's hard to get. I can't get avocados locally right like mm. um you know because they're not gonna they don't have them uptown <laughs> they don't build the salmon up before they freeze or before they um go bad but like you can freeze you can even buy um you know my local costco has frozen avocados and they're all cut up into chunks already perfect for making a smoothie yeah i've seen those taking it yeah. out and and um a lot of the now um the um guacamole packages actually say the little individual ones that you would have for lunch size for kids and stuff it says to freeze them mm. and they freeze really well right so yeah, just make choices, right? Yeah. Um, well, this has been super, um, super helpful, super informative. And I'm starving. I got to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hit a drive-through on the way home. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but but yeah, we we definitely appreciate the the wealth of information. Um, couple final questions, maybe. Where where can people, if they want to hear more about what you do in particular, Yvonne, and, and where can people connect with you? Uh, well, the best way, way to connect with me really is just through Facebook. Um, I have a, a, my personal page. You can friend me on Facebook if you want, if you can find me. Um, but the, um, the uh, business page is called Cleaning Up Your Act, which is my uh, company name. I am working on a website, but I don't really have uh, it up and running yet. So uh, the Facebook is really the best way to connect with me. And I have a number of uh, groups on Facebook. So if you're interested in learning about natural health or, you know, how to reduce the toxins and things like that, then just let me know. Send me a Send me a note. If you send me your friend request, send me a message too, so I know where you're coming from. Because you know, I get a lot of I get a lot of military men trying to friend me. And stuff. All right, so um, you know, us, send us me too. Message, Don't so we all? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 social media, right? Um, yeah. But send me a message too, and then I know where you're coming from. And and if there's um, if I know what kind of thing you're looking for, then I can help to direct you to some. Um, places to find good information well Yvonne if you can shoot us an email with some of those links we'll include them in the show notes and the listeners yeah. can go to the website and, and click on those and, and connect with you yeah and on the um, Facebook page too there will uh, be a new document going up um, right away um, called um, 10 ways to just 10 ways you're destroying your gut health and how what to do about it mm-hmm. and so there's a few tips we kind of went over a few of them just naturally in our in our discussion but there's a few tips there on what some of the things that I have learned um, through my my journey is a little things that you can do to, to make things a little better, right? Cool. Well, yeah, that, that would be great. And I'd, I'd love to hear that, to, pa- to pass that along to my friend as well. Um, and, and any, um, any parting pieces of, of wisdom or, or um, whether it's about, you know, building self-awareness uh, uh, or health or, or gut health in particular any any other final offerings that that you might want to leave people with it as uh, as we wrap up here i think the big thing is just to remember that you are a unique person um and so it's finding what works for you and and really listening to your body and being aware of that intuition 
you know, tapping into that and listening to yourself and following your, your gut instincts. Uh, right. Those gut instincts, a lot of science behind our gut instincts as well. Right. And, um, and just follow that and, and really be patient with yourself. It doesn't have change doesn't have to happen overnight. Um, but making small changes all the time can add up to some pretty major uh, wins at the end of the day. But at the same same time, as unique as we all are, there's a lot of people suffering from some of the same things. And so mm-hmm. we can also connect with some of the people and, and, and compare notes and know that we don't have to feel you know depressed or feel um, like a failure or feel bad about ourselves because of this case of terminal uniqueness, which, which we like to talk about. Um, yeah. we, we do have shared struggles. Um, and that's one of the reasons for this episode is people can know that, you know, you're not alone. There are other people who have struggled. And Yvonne, you're, you're a great example of someone who struggled for a long, long time and now has come back with some truths that you can now pass on to the community so they can learn and, and perhaps um, live a more satisfied, fulfilled life. So we, we thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the whole thing about, you know, that's why a food elimination diet, which we didn't really get into much, but um, those common foods that we mentioned earlier, when you take those out of your diet, then uh, a lot of people have a lot of um, great results from that. And that is because even though we're all uniquely different, we have a lot of the same problems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you for, for both sharing your story and and, uh, and the courage um, that it took for you to, to make those big changes and, and now for, for sharing what you've learned and, and really helping being an agent of change for others. Um, and it's it's amazing work and and we thank you for just giving a glimpse of that to us today yeah thank you it's been fun yeah well that's the episode thanks for tuning in everyone if you liked what you heard here check out the website obstaclecoursepodcast.com that's where you can subscribe check out the show notes if we have one request we'd ask you to leave us a kind review and perhaps share this episode it's not because we have fragile egos well but because we want other great people like you to benefit Speaking of great people, we have a list of people we want to thank. We've got our senior technical advisor, Andy Robertson, our media partner and web designer, Sticky Media, and of course, our host and snack coordinator, Judy Langford. Oh, peanut butter cookies. You can continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at Obstacle Course Podcast and on Twitter at Obstacle Pod. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Keep pushing through those obstacles.